2: Well, hello and welcome to the Switzer Show. I'm Peter Switzer. Today I'm doing this all by myself. My colleague, Paul Rickard, has not turned up. I'm sure he's doing something really important, but, you well, know, I used to do radio well before Paul Rickard came into my life, so let's just see if I still remember how to do it all by myself. And today I won't be by myself, here I'll be talking to a guy called Bernie Ripoll. Bernie is one of the greatest names. I think, in Australian politics. He's no longer a Labor MP, but some years ago he tried to clean up the wild, wild west, which is financial planning, with his famous Future of Financial Advice, which became known as FOFA. Now, Bernie is now in private practice. I'd love to talk to him about what it was he tried to do, um, how well did he do it, And how come there are still problems in the financial planning uh, community and the world that we work in? Uh, And as I say, I am a financial planner. I must admit I've always done it a little bit different from everybody else. We rebated commissions before anyone even thought about doing it and we charged flat dollar fees. But apparently a lot of my colleagues in the industry have been... mm, been caught out, as we've seen in the Royal Commission. So we'll be talking to Bernie about that. And later on, we'll have Charles Tarby, the founder of Century 21. And Charles is going to talk to us about what's going on with house prices right now. Is there a big fall in house prices? Is he expecting it to be a big fall? Where are the prices falling the most? And how worried should we be about house prices? Quite frankly, I think the newspapers are probably gilding the lily or making us feel more negative than we need to be but we'll get it from a man who sees it every weekend he's got about 300 outlets around the country so the feedback he's getting from his um his team at century 21 would be really valuable so um tomorrow of course is the budget um one of my favorite days of all days, people like me, economists, come finance guys uh, we we love the budget. It actually gives us a good idea of what the government thinks is going on in the in the economy and what their game plan is going forward. Now we all know this is a budget that will bring tax cuts and uh, Until I actually see what the actual budget is, I can't say exactly what I think I'll call this budget, but there's a very good chance I will call it a voodoo economics budget. And that will be because why... Well, there's a guy out there called uh, Arthur Laffer, a really famous economist. So famous that he featured in the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes, that great uh, film, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the old uh, economics teacher kept saying, you know, the guy kept saying, Bueller, Bueller, anyone? Anyone? Yes, the most boring economics teacher of all time. He was talking about voodoo economics. That was because Arthur Laffer was telling Senator, well, then uh, Vice President uh, George Bush, about how he could actually increase the collection of tax revenue by actually cutting the tax rate. So you tax people less and you get more taxes. Now, Maybe that's what the Treasurer will be talking about tomorrow when he says we're going to be cutting taxes and at the same time the budget deficit's going to go down because we'll be collecting more taxes. That's going to be a wait-and-see thing for me. And in many ways, I'm hoping I can use the old voodoo economics budget, but we'll just have to wait and see. So without any further ado, let's go to our first guest, Bernie Ripoll. Welcome to the program, Bernie. Thank you. Great to be here. Now, now Bernie, I, I guess I should actually position you now. Uh, I have explained to uh, my listeners that you were the uh, the Labor MP who was responsible for FOFA, the future of the, of the um, the future of financial advice, which has become, you know, a fairly significant uh, milepost in the history of financial planning. And of course, we've seen the Royal Commission make some revelations that. May well have surprised you, or might not have. But let's get to the bottom of it. Before then, what are you doing now?
0: Well, um, well, thanks, Peter. I, look, I do several things, but um, uh, I'm with Matt My Plan, and, and what we are is a self-directed digital advice platform. So we're what some people call a fintech, uh, and um, I've been with Matt My Plan since basically since its founding and uh, straight after Parliament. So for me, it's been a baptism of fire as it were into the planning advice world mm. uh, from the other side of the fence, as it would be.
2: Okay, and so can people go to this Map My Plan and effectively do their own financial plan?
0: Absolutely, hundred percent. So um, what what we've done at Map My Plan is create a platform for people to be able to self-direct, do their own financial plan. It's a fully compliant plan. We've got our own licence. Um, We provide full statements of advice. So um, we're effectively exactly the same as if you got a plan from an advisor, a face-to-face type plan, which as advisors and and consumers would know is a very time-consuming, expensive exercise. And we've tried to digitize that, bring that into the 21st century in terms of how that's done. So really, you know, we're out there in in the digital space trying to provide people with an option. Um, The thing for us was that only 20% of Australians actually get advice, and one of the reasons, there's many reasons why the other 80% don't get advice, but one of the reasons is cost. Uh, the other might be trust. There might be a whole range of reasons why people don't get advice, uh, and we think there's a real need for advice out there, and, and we wanted to fill that gap. We wanted to do something really good.
2: So what's the typical price of a plan from you guys?
0: Well, right now, we're giving away plans for free, and we made the decision we'd give away the first 10,000 plans for free online. Uh, so people do their own plan. So, I mean, this is the beauty of our technology, is that we can drive down costs, um, not to zero, but you know, we're, we're aiming towards making it as, as cheap as possible so that cost is not a barrier for anybody. But if somebody wants to build a full financial plan, they can do that themselves uh, and educate themselves and learn and gain financial literacy and and have it for very, very little um, we've been very pleasantly surprised by the take-up. Um, there's a lot of people out there who want a financial plan. We've done a lot of research and a lot of work, and what's clear in all that research says that people with a financial plan do better than people without a financial plan. And for us, it's about financial wellness, financial well-being, and trying to help people through to their retirement, and making sure that you know, they've got the things in place, the simple things in place, retirement.
2: Okay, Bernie, let's go back in time now. How bad was financial planning when you were given the guns to clean up tombstone territory?
0: Well, look, as is evident, it was pretty bad. Uh, There's no question about that. I I did the original storm inquiry with a really great bunch of people in Parliament from all sides of politics and we came out with a, a unanimous report that said there was a whole heap of things that were going on that needed to be cleaned up and really clearly, one of the key things for me and for everyone else on, on that committee was that there needed to be a shift in culture. We needed to move away from advice linked to product sales. You know, we needed to move away from self-interest to best interests for the clients. We needed to, to protect consumers. The big thing was best interest duty. We had to make sure that anyone out there giving advice had to give advice in the best interest of their client. Up until we changed the law, that was not the case. An advisor could give advice in their own best interest to the detriment of their client and their client paying for that privilege. That had to change. We've changed those laws um, and we had to change culture. Sadly, culture takes a long time to change and it hasn't got there yet. And that's evident through what's been happening, you know, through the Banking Royal Commission, what's been happening and what we've been reading about in the media, you know, that that admission by very, very senior people right at the top um, in our major institutions in Australia, that there's something rotten, that there's something really bad going on there, that the culture did not change. And that hopefully now, that even though we've got laws in place, even though we've got a regulator and a a cop on the beat, and we've got penalties, we've got all of those things there that either haven't been used or haven't been sufficient. And I think that the Banking Royal Commission, the outcome of this Royal Commission will be... Uh, that everybody takes more notice of what's been going on and that the culture finally does change once and for all.
2: Yeah, Do you think that once you guys changed the, the rules, and probably the stand-up one was that people no longer could get um, commissions rebated to them for products? That's right. Yeah, those was one of the big ones. And also, I think after that, p- the percentage uh, fee became popular, um, and that was a recommendation from you guys as well, wasn't it?
0: Well, we made a number of recommendations which transferred through FOFA into law. Uh, the cornerstone of those laws really was about banning commissions, uh, best interest duty, uh, and a whole range of other things that really all were focused on one thing, and that was protecting the consumer. And that was ensuring that if you paid for something, you got something in return. But if you paid a fee, you actually got a service back. Um, so the laws are in place, and I really want to stress that to you, Peter, because It's almost as though some people are claiming that there's no laws in place to deal with this or that perhaps the penalties aren't strong enough or big enough. And my response to that would simply be, let's apply the penalties that are there now before we decide that we need bigger penalties because what's clear is that penalties have not been being applied. And it's the responsibility of those that are in charge of that to actually pursue those who break the law, charge them, see them through courts and apply the penalties available. If those penalties then aren't strong enough, there's always the option to go back to parliament, request stronger penalties. And where there are deficiencies, we can have stronger laws in place as well. Um, and I think we need to build on the back of FOFA. Uh, FOFA began this process. The so Future Financial Advice was so all about consumers and protecting consumers and making sure that when somebody pays for something, they actually get that service in return. And, and I think we need to build on the back of that, and the Banking Royal Commission, while it was opposed by many, and certainly opposed by all the banks, for a very, very long time, mm. um, it, we can now see that it's absolutely necessary, because if it had not been for the Banking Royal Commission that's on right now, I dare say all the things that have been uncovered would have just kept going unchecked, unmarked, and people just... Basically, laughing at the law and ignoring it, Mm. and that's what really frustrates me,
2: Bernie. um, Let's be objective about ASIC. You know, is it under is it underfunded given the 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 magnitude of the job it should be doing?
0: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So therefore, ASIC ASIC just failed by themselves, did they? Well, ASIC cannot claim as a defence funding. Funding is not at the cause of what's been going on Um, and, and I think the Banking Royal Commission is demonstrating that. It's up to ASIC to defend itself and to explain to the community what it's been doing and how some of these practices which were known to the regulator and as is clear through the Royal Commission in evidence, was being investigated by the regulator, was not pursued further or anything done about it. So it's not about funding it's not about the size of the penalties it's not about any of that we've got laws in place we've got everything we need right there right now it just needs to be used and applied i think that's the first step if the regulator and others think that the penalty should be more well that's great I, I agree i agree They should be more but let's deal with what we've got on our plate right now we've got laws in place let's use the ones we've got if they're insufficient let's increase
2: Bernie, I've written a piece on switzer.com.au, and as you know, I know this industry pretty well as well. And I think a great way of helping clean the thing up would be to use the the money, the bank levy, to put in place right around the country um, effectively – Consumer claims tribunals, where um, just like those consumer claims or small claims tribunals around the, the states, uh, you can you can go there, you can take a, a business to, to the um, mediator. There are no lawyers, and you actually just outline what you think has has been done wrong by you, and the mediator decides. And I just think that the the banks and other financial institutions would lose so many of these cases that in the end, the compensation would be such that they couldn't ignore what was going on in their organisation. What do you say to a a recommendation like that?
0: Well, look, I think it's worthwhile. I think we need to do that. We need to make that process simpler, easier, cheaper and accessible. So I don't think there's any question about it. I I think you're spot on. I think the complexity that needs to be understood and added to that is that for a very long time, and right now, People wouldn't know if they're being ripped off. They wouldn't know if Mm. they're paying a fee and getting no service. They wouldn't know if the advice they're getting is bad advice. They wouldn't know if they're being switched out of their APRA-regulated superannuation fund into a self-managed super fund for the purpose of buying a property in-house is bad for them or switching out of a particular fund into another fund means they lose their insurance cover or some other cover. They just wouldn't know. So... While I absolutely agree that I think we need a much better complaints process, I think we need to be cognizant. And Peter, you do know this industry well. You do know how it works behind the scenes. Consumers would not know. They would not know they've been paying too many fees for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, which at at the start of their retirement, the end of their working life has cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially. They wouldn't know. And I think that's part of the problem. The problem here is we're dealing with an imbalance that's enormous between what a consumer understands and knows and what an advisor knows. And that's why we were dead set clear about changing best interest duty. You must act in the best interest of your client. You can't act in your own interest and then charge the person for that privilege. And you can't charge a fee. You just cannot charge a fee for a service you do not provide. For me, it's the same, Peter, as if you took your car for a service to your local mechanic and you turned up at the end of the day and they said to you, Peter, we got your car all day. We did absolutely nothing to your car, but that'll be $600, thank you. Hmm. That's the equivalent. And you would just smile and pay the money over. In fact, not only would you pay the money over, they say, saying, by the way, we did nothing to your car, but we're going to charge you that fee every month. Well,
2: the one big difference was the mechanic actually admitted to that, where I don't think a lot of financial planners have been. Now, Bernie, well, great, a great take. Well, they've take.
0: admitted to it now, Peter. They've yeah. admitted to it now.
2: Mm, that's for sure. Well, a great take on yeah. that, uh, yeah. Bernie. And I, I appreciate you joining us on the show. And we'll catch up to you in the not-too-distant future. Bernie Ripoll. now from Map, My you, Plan, And now, a word from our sponsors.
1: Have you got a home loan? Do you know what you're being charged? Check your rate, and if it's more than 3.89%, call us at Switzer Home Loans. Our rate for a variable home loan is 3.89%. That's right, 3.89% is all you'll pay. Interested? Call 1300-664-339 or Google Switzer Home Loans.
2: Now, here's Switzy! Welcome back to the show. Now, before I go to my next guest, we have had a couple of questions sent in to us. So let's try and have a crack at those before we talk to Charles Tarby, the founder of Century 21. This one comes from Lisa from Preston in Victoria, and she said, I've been asked by my dad if I want to join his self-managed super fund. I'm currently with Australian Super, and it's been doing pretty well. What are my risks? of going into a self-managed super fund with my dad. Now this is a really tricky question, Lisa, and uh, let me be as objective as possible. I think you have to make an assessment about your dad. You know, is he a good investor? It ha- it, you know, can he s- tell you that You know, he started off with $200,000 in his self-managed super fund, and he's built it up to a-, a million dollars, and therefore he would be a better uh, advisor to you than Australian Super. Now, we both agree Australian Super has been a very good super fund with very good returns, um, but, you know, their fees would be, I guess, close to, you know, 0.8% or maybe even 1%. Where well, your dad's fees, if he's got a lot of money in there and he's doing a lot of it himself, he might only have a, a fee of, say, 02 or 0.3%. Now, if um, if that's, you put those two together, these, are performing as well as industry super funds like the Australian Super Fund, and his fees are lower, well then it might be an okay idea to go into a super fund with your dad. The flip side is that if he's not um, a great investor and his fees are no better than um, Australian Super I think you really need to find a really tactful way of saying to your dad, "Thanks, Dad, but no thanks." And, and let me say to you, in all honesty, you know, uh, both my sons are in our self-managed super fund. But I guess when they ask ask that question, they probably presume that their old man is okay at investing. And B, I assure you, I have got my fees right down. But it's a really Interesting question, a lot of kids in this country, kids, anyone over 20, I guess I'm saying, um, they probably do pile in and, and go into a self managed super fund with their mum and dad. I just think that you should think about it before you actually jump in. It may well cause problems down the track, particularly if the performance is really bad. And I always say the best thing about super is you get in early, you get good returns, you don't have high fees and it rolls over and so you get in in the early 20s and by the time you're getting close to retirement in your 50s or 60s, there'll be a real lot of money you know, waiting, waiting for you. But if you're going with the wrong super fund, it could really you know, go against you. But once again, you're going to have to work out a nice way of letting your dad down. And now, a word from our sponsors.
1: Have you got a home loan? Do you know what you're being charged? Check your rate, and if it's more than 3.89%, call us at Switzer Home Loans. Our rate for a variable home loan is 3.89%. That's right, 3.89% is all you'll pay. Interested? Call 1300 664 339, or Google Switzer Home Loans. Too
0: many people spend money they earned to buy things they don't want to impress people that they don't like. So stick with Switzer and get rich. Where are my teeth?
2: (laughs) Ah, We're back from the outbreak, of course, and this is Peter Switzer, and this is The Switzer Show, and my star coming up is a star in his own right, Charles Tarby, the founder of Century 21. Charles, thanks for joining us on the show.
3: Oh, thank you very much for the warm welcome.
2: <laughs> well, I'm always warm to you, Charles. You know that. Hey, yeah, you are. <laughs> I tell you what, that 3.89% home loan read out by a very, very earnest woman—that was a—that would have impressed you, Charles.
3: I know. I, I, I'll tell you that that is the sort of loan that you would expect somebody who's a toothless tiger to to <laughs> uh, scratch out of a, a broker.
2: <laughs> exactly right. Now, Charles, let's just get you in the in your Sort of comfort zone, namely, what's going on with house prices around the country at the moment, and so what, what's your take? Because a lot of the newspapers are saying, you know, house prices are falling. They want to make us, you know, rather scared that this could be the start of something bad. What's your take?
3: Yeah, look, there are a couple of things that are coming through or coming true. Uh, uh, what we've discussed over the last year and, and more, Peter, and and that certainly is with regards to apartment complexes. Uh, I, I just actually only finished a conversation an hour ago with the person who rang me up for some advice because they purchased uh, an apartment in Brisbane and the valuation has come in 8% lower than the contract price uh, when it was when it was um, off the plan. Mm. And so they're now in a position where uh, they can't afford that extra 8% uh, to put the cash into complete. And I think that the declining uh, market in certain parts of the country will start to impact all the way through. And, and uh, my greatest concern a year ago plus was that a lot of people who buy off the plan would not be able to complete. So we're seeing a downward trend uh, for a number of reasons, uh, that, that being one of them, and um, we'll see a lot more of those apartments coming on. The other, of course, is the overseas money's dried up, uh, mainly because the overseas governments have stopped it from coming out, um, APRA, of course, uh, in terms of investors, uh, shut the door on them and they, they had to, now they're opening the door again. Uh, So I I think that the the main issue is right now a lot more stock, fewer buyers, less overseas money, lower valuations. It all sort of leads to a point in in my view, not a hard landing, but certainly a a reasonably soft landing. Not one that we might have expected uh, from. The the people who are coming out of the US telling us we're going
2: to crash. Yeah, now, Charles. The thing is this.
3: That's a short answer, by the way. Yeah, no,
2: that's very short for you. I'm, <laughs> I'm very impressed with your ability to shorten your long answers. That's a short answer. but, but but Charles, let's um, put this in perspective. Let's look at the say the Sydney and Melbourne markets. What what kind of rises have they seen over the last three years, and and what kind of a pullback? Kind of makes sense given the size of the rises for that, both those two markets.
3: They've been quite incredible. In fact, Peter, if you look at the uh, Brisbane market uh, compared to, say, the Sydney market. Uh, Brisbane had a very small increase in terms of capital growth in the last five years, but Sydney had over 75% growth mm. in the last five years. Um, and, and you know, in five years we talk about real estate doubling. You know, every 7.2 years or, or whatever it is, it, it, it's managed to achieve a significant amount of growth. And in some cases, double, not mm. not just 75, but in some areas, over 100% of growth. Um, and so yes, people are going to get nervous, and the, people are starting to feel as though, gee, am I if I buy now, am I buying at the absolute top? And so there's a lot of people sitting now on the fence, thinking I'm just going to wait. Hmm. And so all of these things that indicate that uh, that the massive changes we saw in the last few years has really come to an end, hmm. and it's a good way of doing it because I I think it was just absolutely going crazy.
2: Hmm. Clearance rates, what are they like at the moment? Um, in the big yeah, they're, they're,
3: they're look in terms of normal auction, they're not too bad. Sixty-three and a half percent this week uh, for all uh, combined capital cities, but it was seventy-three percent this time last year, so nine and a half uh, points lower. Mm. Uh, and Sydney, the, the, which was between Sydney and and Melbourne, the most dynamic markets, sixty-six so point nine, and Melbourne at sixty-three point five, still very good. But you've got to consider that Melbourne, for example, it was seventy-seven and a half percent this time last year. Mm. So that is a, a big change, albeit still a reasonably solid
2: clearance rate. Okay, let's just do the um, the real estate coaching bit, Charles, because <laughs> uh, because the thing is this: you know, p- people often get in too late, or and, or yes. they get they get in, they get in uh, getting in early is great because the market is going to go up. But these are the times I, I would say if people ask me, I, and you just said a moment ago, people are saying, "Oh, am I going to be getting it at the top of the market?" To me, this is the perfect time to start giving up your Saturdays to going to options in the areas where you want to live, because you just might get a pleasant surprise. What do you say to that kind of recommendation?
3: I absolutely agree, because here's the, here's the difference. So people put their homes on the market uh, and they've been timing it. Some people have been timing it. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, they, some people I know have bought property and they've bridge fin they're, they're, they're bridging finance they're sitting there. And now they've, they've waited to put their properties to auction, waiting to what they think was the best time. And now all of a sudden, the market's changed. They've got their properties on the market. Let's say an example, a one I know was hoping to fetch 2.8, 2.9 at auction. They wouldn't take an offer of 2.6 or 2.7, and now they're suggesting they'll take 2.5, just as an example, mm. because they've tied themselves up elsewhere. And I think a lot of that is uh, kicking in as well around the traps. Uh, so, yes, you're right. Now's the time to gear up, read, or buy. Mm. Uh, but for those people who are selling today and buying today, there's no real issue for them. Mm. Uh, but if you if you bought uh, six months ago and, and you've been hanging on to sell, thinking you're going to get a better price, you're probably going to have a little bit of a struggle.
2: Mm. Okay, so Charlie.
3: Get your checkbook ready. Yes. Yeah, get your checkbook ready.
2: But 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 you know yourself, and I know a friend of mine. I think I've told you that story before. She was just basically walking past a house on a Saturday morning where they're doing the the yeah, good yeah. old street auctions. And uh, she bought the place as she walked by. Thank God her shop was only about 100 metres down the road so she could get a cheque book to write a cheque. But, you know, she bought it basically sight unseen because the price was so ridiculously low and the seller really wanted to sell.
3: Yeah, that, and I think that's the key to it too, Pete. You're absolutely right about the timing. And there are a lot of people that are very smart, very savvy. They'll be sitting on the fence. We we talk to people about this. Uh, you and I have spoken about this plenty of times, uh, about certain marketplaces, and we talked about apartments earlier on. You know, there, there's a great opportunity for people who've been sitting on their hands with a little bit of cash. Um, there's, there's a magnificent opportunity coming up for them now because there will be... I believe, a significant number of people that will walk away from contracts because they, they can't afford to do anything else but. Mm. Now, a lot of the developers, if the valuations are coming in low, um, then that's where it's going to end up adjusting. Nobody's going to lend you money on something that uh, has got a declining value. Mm. So I think the banks will factor in even harsher valuations. On some of these properties, and people who are a little bit dashed up might do okay over the next six months in certain marketplaces in Brisbane.
2: Well, I, I know you're—I know you're an old softie, despite the fact you live in the hard and competitive world of real <laughs> estate. Now, I've got to tell you the story. You, you know that my my son and daughter-in-law, Alex and Rena, have been looking for a house in Melbourne for about the last three months, and they went to a number of auctions where that the, the uh, places were were passed in. Didn't get a bid on on three occasions because the sellers were just too ambitious and the market would not meet them. Anyway, so um, about three or four weeks ago, they got themselves a fantastic place in Paran. And we, Maura and I, went down the weekend to check the place out. Absolutely fantastic. And yeah, he got it for a good price. It was less than what the sellers (laughs) wanted. No one bidded at the auction as well. And Alex went in and did some negotiations. And like, there was absolutely Nothing to spend in this place, you know, and he's, he's quite handy. He didn't need that sort of place, but he, this is a fantastic place. And my daughter-in-law has got the heart of gold. She was actually telling the story about the people who sold it to to them, who's now who are now living in rented accommodation, and. Uh, she was nearly crying. She was nearly crying on behalf of the person who sold it to them, because she thought that they had that they had done so well that she felt bad about the seller who had to sell. Now, yeah. that's that's oh, a harder goal.
3: That is very nice because you know we, real estate's a long-term proposition, and I, as you would hate watching people make the wrong decision or lose money and and having been around the industry for 40 plus years now you you really just hope that the grandchildren are dealing with you of yeah. the people you sold their first home to mm. uh you know 40 years ago uh, and that that's what i love about real estate and i know when i bought my property peter off a gentleman who built it for his family and i still i'm a real estate agent's nightmare um I, i'm living in the same house i bought 34 years ago. (laughs) So um, I know that when he came back to pick up a couple of things and I'd already started renovating the property, I knew that um, uh, he was... Very upset because the wallpaper that he put up with his family had come down and things Mm -hmm. of that nature. I think people can get very emotional with real estate and this is why we often see uh, when, when you take a genuine offer to a seller and they ask you was it that person in that red car and you say yes and they say well I don't care how much they will pay us, I'm not selling my home to that yeah. person. So it's it's a really emotional thing, and it's lovely to see that, that, that that's happened in your family. Yeah,
2: and one last thing mate, before you go, because we've got a question here from Greg Wade uh, in Penrith, New South Wales, He's, and this is an interesting question. Would a property with a fibre-to-the-home NBN connection attract a higher market value, either currently or in the future, than one in the same location with only fibre-to-the-node? And if so, what estimates would you give? It's a pretty easy question, Charles. It's your area, Penrose.
3: Yeah, I think, I think time, a little bit of waiting time, it won't make any bloody difference, to <laughs> be exactly, terribly, terribly frank. But I, I do think, no, it's not going to make a big change uh, to property prices. Uh, and I think uh, we all know property prices are, are flattening out and there's plenty of opportunities. So uh, Fibre to, I'm sorry, NBN is not going to make it
2: a difference Peter. Okay Charles thanks for your... Sorry to
3: say, I'm sorry to say. I love to tell everybody that properties are going to go up
2: in price but that's not the reality. <laughs> Alright mate, fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Thank, so, that's thank t- you. A pleasure thank mate. You. That's Charles Tarby, the founder of Century 21. We'll be back in a moment. And now, a word from our sponsors.
1: Have you got a home loan? Do you know what you're being charged? Check your rate and if it's more than 3.89% call us at Switzer Home Loans. Our rate for a variable home loan is 3.89%. That's right, 3.89% is all you'll pay. Interested? Call 1300-664-339 or Google Switzer Home Loans.
2: Now, here's Switzy! Well, we're back. We're getting close to the end of the show. There is one question here that came in from Billy of Gosford and Bill says I've been through a rough time lately and have run up for some pretty big credit card debts around $10,000. I'm going to into more debt to make my payments and it seems like a terrible merry-go-round, but it's not fun. What would you advise? I'm embarrassed and kept kept it to myself, but I fear it is getting out of hand. Look, Billy, I just think you have to bite the bullet. I think what, what you can do, there are financial counsellors out there. There's some government ones. So if you Google government financial counsellors, they're out there. It's a free service. I'd go and talk to uh, one of the, the counsellors there. They'll probably advise you to ultimately go to your bank and uh, explain to them what the situation is. You, you don't say that you're out of work. So often what a financial institution will do if you come clean and say, look, it's ten thousand dollars. I can't make the the payments that you're asking each month, and therefore I'm just adding to my credit card debt. They will look look at a, a, an alternative way for you to pay back your debts. And I think it's a it's a sad situation you're in, but you're not alone. A lot of young people and even older people are in the same sort of situation. And the more you ignore it, the worse it gets because interest rates. Uh, interest accumulates in both directions, either when you're earning it or when you're paying it. So my advice is go to a financial counsellor first. As I say, they're a government, I think New South Wales government, uh, and yeah, you're from Gosford, they have a, a service. Go and get some objective advice from them and then you know, fess up to your um, financial services provider And I'm sure they'll come up with a solution that is better than the current situation you've got where you're borrowing to make repayments and the debt's getting bigger and bigger. Well, that's the show uh, for this week. Um, Next week, I guess we'll be looking at the winners and the losers from the budget. There'll be a lot of stuff which invariably comes out over the weekend. And that's when we'll be doing it, We're on Monday after the weekend. And I hope that we can give you some insights such that this budget will be the best budget you've ever had. Thanks for joining us. I'm Peter Switzer. This is The Switzer Show. And don't forget, if you've got questions, send them in to infoswitzer.com.au. I'll talk to you next week.
0: Switzer! Switzer!